is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chess fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast. We're recording this on deadline day. Dan here, no Nick. He's enjoying his last night in London before he heads back to the U.S. No Brandon. He's in the later part of his workday. This is my break, though. And the deadline is coming to a close. The clock is ticking. The hours are turning into minutes and turning into seconds. And pretty soon, it'll be deal sheets submitted right at the bubble, right at the end of it all, to get a little bit of an extension to try to finish up the business that Chelsea's trying to get done all in the last day. It feels like a little bit of a mad dash, a little bit of a scramble. And I think a little bit of it can be forgiven due to the fact that Chelsea have gone through some major changes over the last seven to eight months and how they operate and how they're getting back up to speed. But this episode, while deadline day has not yet finished, we're not going to recap the entirety of deadline day, but we did want to talk about the new arrival of a wonderkind. I don't know if we can call him wonderkind still because he's technically an adult. He's just a younger adult than uh, some of us who are recording this episode. And Wesley Fofana, who uh, after much hullabaloo, uh, much stance, much posturing, much puffing of a chest, Leicester once again capitulated to Chelsea. And another one of their players is joining the Blues of London in SW6. And so in order to talk about Wesley Fofana in great detail, I have uh, both the the head and the heart joining us here. I've got the head in uh, the head in Sam, you know, as CFC Central, who's joining us, and the heart in Ollie Glanville, who uh, has been affectionately wanting Wesley Fofana to join us for a long time. So, uh, Ollie, I'll let you kind of just go first. Welcome back, and uh, how are you feeling? Uh, a on deadline day, but B that uh, Wes is uh, is now here. Uh, in terms of Wes, it's been yeah, long, long time coming. Not just for him, but for us. You know, long time, long time target, and finally it's happened. Um, in terms of deadline day, it's been a long old day. <laughs> Let's get it done. That, that is fair. And Sam, uh, also over to you as well. How are you feeling about Fafana arriving? Then also, how are you feeling about the deadline day as it stands with uh, just a little bit of time left? Cannot wait to be over. I think that's that's just my general feeling. You know, I was so happy. Considering I had made backup plans, knowing that nothing was going to happen after Aubameyang. Then I started watching Alvarez. Then I started watching Sangare. And then I started watching Zakaria. So I've had a long day already. So hoping this madness is just done. I think it's come to that uh, peak chaos kind of moment right now in the window. So I just need to be done with it and, and get back to watching matches, breathing, having a life again. So hopefully that happens. And uh, excited, really, really excited to see Fofana back. And I think it's going to be an incredible signing and uh, great to have, you know, somebody off the Fofana hive here with me. So I think uh, we're going to have a lot of interesting takes to to listen to in the episode. Well, that is a fair thing to say. So, yeah, again, this is being recorded as the deadline is closing. We're watching tweets come up with Obama Yang arriving in London for his medical. And so it's not going to be comprehensive. That's another episode that we're going to drop. Brandon and I, uh, if you're listening to this, you're like, hey, where's the full recap of deadline day? Uh, Brandon and I got that coming out. It's in your feed most likely at this point already. So go listen to that if your full encapsulation is what you're looking for. But this is about Wesley Fafana and his arrival at Chelsea. And so maybe just to get started in the way that we do with many things, I'd love to hear if you have a three-word reaction to his arrival, Ollie. What's your three-word signing reaction to Fafana joining? I'm going to call an audible and go French. Uh, Laisse l'enfant rêver, which means let the child dream. Because, Ooh. yeah, he's been, he's been dreaming at this moment for some time. He wants to, you know, become... The new Desai here, the new Makaleli here, Drogba, his hero. So, yeah, let the child dream him. All right. Love that one. What about you, Sam? There's no way I'm bettering that. Everything sounds amazing in French. That's, that's unfair. Why, why, why can't I go first? That sounded like such a lovely line to like, you know, end the show. Now, now you're coming to the simpleton who has like, you know, basic words to come up with. This is not fair, Dan. But honestly, I, I don't think I have three words, but I think uh, incredible to have somebody who I mean, desperately wanted to play for the club. Has um, some nice, vague Chelsea connections in the way that he's come through his career. Like Ollie said, you know, wanted to be a centre forward. He used to spend a lot of time on YouTube watching Drogba videos. Was asked to stop being a striker and be more like Kurt Zuma. 
at Sanatian. And um, yeah, a big, big fan of Aubameyang as well. So just great to see that uh, somebody with a nice background with the Blues is is coming to play. Uh, this is my way of slightly diverting the topic away from the fact that I do not have three words to encapsulate it. Well, I'm going to go with right-handed hearts, or right-sided hearts, rather, when you think about the fact that his arrival is not just great for our defense. And his arrival is great for what it means for the right-handed side of our formation in that Reese James being able to push forward and not have to be our right center back is going to be great uh, for Chelsea supporters, for people who own him in FPL. Look, uh, Reese was on a record-setting run for himself and potentially defenders at Chelsea for what he was doing with goals and assists last season before he got injured and with injuries that we've had him having to play potentially further back the arrival of Fafana means you now have something settled where you can say hey Reese don't worry about that like when you look at the fact that the number of goal contributions Fafana has in his highest season is like 20 something we are not expecting him to go further forward in the attack like if he does great if he gets one random banger I'm all for that. Every defender at Chelsea is allowed at least one. We know the rules. But the fact that Reese is going to be a prime beneficiary of it and know that he's going to have more license to get further forward or continue to maraud his way around the pitch is very, very exciting to me. But as we kind of get into it and talk about maybe the journey, you know, I know, Ollie, you and I have been talking about this fact that this is not a player that Chelsea just decided this window, hey, we'd like to go sign that guy. It wasn't the fact that he came back onto the radar. This is a player that Chelsea have had a lot of intention around wanting to bring into the club, wanting to scout, scouting back when he was you know, in France before he came into the Premier League and when he went to Leicester. There's always been a thought that he can make his way here. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's coming from uh, what is culturally one of the best defensive uh, academies in the whole of Europe in San Etienne. You know, the the Green Brigade over there, um, spitting out people like William Saliba, who Arsenal fans know well, uh, Kurt Zuma and, and others, you know, throughout their time, uh, you know, back to the 80s even, they're, they're creating some great, great players. So there's been an established tradition at San Etienne that we have uh, richly picked from <laughs> and uh, watched uh, wholeheartedly. Um, but yeah, we've, we've monitored him since San Etienne, since he came through there. Uh, we monitored him throughout his time at Leicester. And, you know, it says everything that we were even prepared to launch a bid for him even after he broke his leg in pre-season last season. Um, so this is a player that the club has their, has had their eyes on for a long, long time. And rightly so. You know, you're talking about one of, I would argue, the top three uh, centre-backs in his age group, and he's not third. So, um, yeah, great to see. Maybe, Ollie, who, who would you put in that grouping with him? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you'd, you'd probably uh, end up with people like Bastonia Inter. Um, you know, Saliba Arsenal is clearly a talent as well. But I think Wes is probably, um, I would say, head and shoulders above both of them in terms of what he is as a complete footballer uh, at the back. And just what he offers you going forward, he's so comfortable on the ball. He's got that range of passing. He can score the odd goal. He has an absolutely incredible leap, even at 6-3, which is um, not often the case for players that size. Um, and yeah, the recovery pace is amazing. He's happy to go to ground or not. Uh, very comfortable physically, even after his broken leg. And yeah, we're just getting an absolute Rolls Royce of a centre-back. Well, Sam, I know that you have watched about a million hours of tape on him at this point. And so as you hear what Ollie's saying about the type of player we're getting, would you be able to expand upon what you've seen initially as like a high level? And then maybe we get into some of the specific strengths. No, I think Ollie was absolutely bang on in terms of somebody who's at this age, arguably like the best in his age group. Um, when he was mentioning you know, the groupings that could be there. I was thinking of Bastoni as well. Um, Guardiola is somebody who's 19 and probably on the same trajectory. Um, William Saliba, all these guys, you know, obviously have 
still a long time to go in terms of trying to develop whatever skill set that they're trying to do at center back. But he shows a lot more in terms of his mental and his psychological traits. We've also had the unfortunate privilege of seeing how he reacts to adversity. I think that's incredibly important when you're judging young players, you know, how they come back from difficult spells. If, for example, they've had a long-term injury, are they able to retain the same kind of um, physical you know, capabilities that they did pre-injury? And uh, if it affects them when they go into challenges, I think when I look at him post-injury, it is arguably the same kind of performances. So he's incredibly resilient. I think that's what I get from him. And if you have somebody with that level of raw skill set and is backed up with, you know, that kind of fortitude, I think it always spells everything great for the future. So we've picked really, really well. Um, obviously, we've been doing our homework on him. And the moment we realized that uh, Leicester were in trouble financially and they had to make sure that they sold somebody to get players in, I think it was a very, very quick move and and very effectively done. So very happy that he's here. And I think in the next three, four years, we, we will see him hit a completely different level. So very excited to see that trajectory. I know, Ali, as you're hearing that and thinking about the fact that People might not might not feel like it was a quick deal, but in general, it moved pretty quickly for the time of year with the transfer window running down, with the season already being in progress, with Leicester not having an established defense as we're recording this right now. Uh, it was pretty shambolic, the goal that they just gave up to Manchester United, which, boy, oh boy, if you're like Manchester United score goals at this point, what's going on? But in general, it, it, you know, this was a situation where the club could get a deal done. We know how to do business with Leicester. Leicester needed financial support and the player wanted the move. So in general, looking back on it, it may have felt long in the moment, but this was a quick deal. Absolutely. And uh, we always knew we had the ace in the hole in terms of the fact that the player was willing to force his way here, right? Because it's his, it's his dream move. Um, not only playing Champions League football, but you know, the team that he's watched since he was, he was young in this country. So that was always on the back burner for us. And we made it very clear very early that we were prepared to pay top, top dollar for him. So Leicester put out, you know, their scary price range. And we said, yeah, we're playing, we're paying that whatever. Um, so <laughs> that got them on the back foot. And then the pay, the player, you know, came out and uh, made sure that the move became reality. And we all know Leicester's financial issues. And that basically allowed us to uh, tie it up neatly. So as we evolve this conversation or maybe get into some of the more specifics, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about strengths in particular, go through the maybe the areas of opportunity to the point that Sam was talking about where the game needs to improve. We're going to take a real quick break. We want to thank these sponsors for financially supporting the show. And then we'll be right back and get into all the rest on Wesley Fofana. All right. So Sam, as we get into strengths, if we wanted to talk to a couple of his most important attributes or skills that he is bringing within this position. What are those two or three that people who've only watched him on a YouTube highlight reel or only watched him when he's played against us, how should they be thinking about who he is as a player? I think in terms of his physical qualities, he's you know a standout in terms of the kind of strength, the kind of frame that he combines with the right kind of athleticism right kind of application. I think it's very rare to find in, in centre-backs that size. It's like for the first time that I saw him play, I didn't register the fact that he's six feet three inches tall because he's lightning quick across the green. And, uh, you know, probably comes from his history of playing centre-forward when, when he was younger, you know, chasing balls and, and trying to run in behind. I think that's been part of his early education. But in terms of having the perfect skill set to deal with quick attackers, to know exactly what they're trying to do, to anticipate it, to act in the right way, the right kind of aggression, I think he's spectacular, especially at this age. Against some very good attackers, against some very good teams, I think he he comes up trumps. And it's something that I've noticed, like against the bigger opposition, against very good sides, he tends to to step it up. He's a big game player. He really, really likes those occasions. So. If I were to sum up somebody who's physically absolutely outstanding, but combines it with the right kind of application, knows, you know, intelligently when he needs to do things, when he does not need to do things, 
and obviously has the mental resilience to to withstand pressure cooker situations. So overall, I think there's a lot of, I would say, a reactive defensive skill set, which he's perfected. When you see him tackle, when you see him go up in the air, when you see him get into any kind of ground use, I think he's he's very, very strong. Um, so overall, his positioning, his organizing, I was trying to analyze like what he does when he's playing with Sir Johnny Evans and and if he takes up responsibility, you often see him gesturing to Evans saying that, look, this is your marker. You need to make sure that this is covered. Always talking to his fullback, always organizing. So I think in terms of his leadership potential, there's obviously a lot that can be explored in the coming years. And obviously when Silva and Koulibaly, you know, they just sort of like walk into the twilight and, and hand over the mantle to somebody else. I think he's somebody who can step up and be the kind of backbone that you want for the defense. I know as we're doing this, for those who are not watching a video component of it, Ali is nodding his head in agreement. And I think he, you would say everything that Sam said is true, but maybe we've had a chance to see some of that at display in Leicester where his partners have not always been the strongest defenders. And he very quickly was the strongest of the bunch, which is why he got the, uh, you know, very expensive move over and not some of the other players in that back line. And so I think as you're thinking about it, just in terms of what he was able to showcase at Leicester in terms of some of those strengths, you know, the the ability kind of with the one-on-ones, the physicality, the ability to really close down the game in a way that I think combines the best of some of the players that we've seen recently, where he maybe has the power uh you know that kind of rudiger had in terms of being able to kind of push somebody off the ball but that same ability that like christensen had to kind of close down very quickly and neatly and not allow somebody to get him caught out it feels like we're getting some cherry picked uh best components of uh great defenders of your absolutely um yeah yeah i mean you described it perfectly there um to sam's point you know he was he was a forward and that helps him so often uh, one-on-one in terms of reading of the game you know he he will be so aggressive against particularly fast forwards which is really interesting if you think back to our games against Leicester he always targeted Timo Werner one-on-one whenever he was on the ball because you know despite the fact Timo is rapid he believed he was quicker than him and more physical and he's like that in bigger games he will go for the threat and like a kind of heat-seeking missile, make a kind of statement uh, tackle on them and show his dominance. It's quite similar to how Reese acts in terms of uh, his attitude. And I think that speaks to the kind of bromance that they've had with Reese uh, ringing him up a, a month before the move and saying, <laughs> do you want to come over here and help me out, move this, move me to right wing back? Um, but yeah, on the ball, he's you know so comfortable. He's, he's got great feet going back to the passing range as well. But what that offers you in terms of press resistance is it moves the opposition back and that gives you more space just in general to play out. And they also have to be mindful of the fact that he can beat his man. You know, he's got this pace going back recovery-wise, but going forward, he can beat a man one-on-one. And, you know, it's led to some slaloming runs in the Premier League. Unfortunately, sometimes his uh, finishing has let him down <laughs> in the final third, which is probably why he's not a centre forward anymore, right? But those kind of uh, slaloming runs are what kind of defines him as well. He's very, very adept to getting out of those situations, finding some space for himself and keeping the attack going. Sam, when you kind of had a chance to watch back through some of the tape and hear Ali talk about the the runs and his ability to move the ball around and kind of carry it either forward or to kind of shut it down. What did you observe that makes him maybe special at that? Is it, you know, how he kind of controls the the ball with his feet? Is it his reading of it to kind of get there ahead of it? Like where, where is he kind of applying the best parts of his like individual skill elements to make that happen? I think it's, it's mostly his mental skill sets that I would talk about. I think he's got a certain amount of confidence bordering on arrogance, I think that makes him very, very difficult to come up against. When I was watching Liverpool last season, it was incredible the amount of times that, you know, Liverpool would just push up knowing that if there were 1v1 situations behind, you had Van Dijk, you know, to make sure that no 1v1 situation gets past him because there was that much faith in in somebody of his calibre. And then, of course, you had a short stopper like Alisson to make sure that you had a second layer to protect against whichever counters. And obviously that allows you to play a more expansive game. It it takes away the fear of saying that if I lose the ball, 
it's going to have catastrophic um, you know consequences something that we've seen a lot uh, for us this season you know when whenever we've lost the ball seems to be a little bit of timidness in terms of going for the right kind of passes and and when the ball does break it often tends to to reach the edge of our box i see in fofana somebody of that caliber somebody who allows you to take those kind of risks knowing that you have somebody who's incredible one v one you know make sure that he's read the game he, he make sure that he knows the positions right and like all he said somebody who studies his opponent really well he bought up timo werner it's something that i've seen with uh, richarlison when when he was playing against uh, you know tottenham um, he made sure that you know so not tottenham everton i think yeah he was playing against everton and the amount of times that he got suffocatingly close to richarlison making sure that you know he was physically in range pushing harrying bullying making sure you never gave him space you know he always did that so he varies his game according to his opponent with, with timo werner obviously you know he's quick but you also know that his first touch can let him down so so he deals with it accordingly with richarlison it's a completely different strategy so he knows and and he observes it really well so somebody with that skill set in terms of understanding and applying it intelligently i think it it gives him a very unique kind of understanding of what he's coming up against and i think that's going to be crucial in terms of even moving away from a 3-2 build up and and pushing one person up ahead to a 2-3 makes a lot of difference in in the way that you're able to attack so and i think fofana allows you to do that he allows you the confidence the foundations you know the backbone to take a little more risk and i think it will be it will be very very important for us going forward yeah i think that that's where amy like mentioned in the beginning in the three word signing impression but to me one of his biggest benefits ali is the fact that he is going to enable another player to do their best work it's similar to Angolo Conte being able to cover up the shortcomings of someone like Jorginho and allow Jorginho to do his best work. When you have someone in the team, you know, it, it's but it's like if Jorginho also had a little bit more athleticism behind it as well, where it bounced a little bit more evenly. It wasn't like a I need to convert all of my second person to cover you. Uh, this is more like, hey, we are very, you know, similarly skilled in the positions we're playing. And but you know now that you don't have to worry about the person behind you. You can go what you need to do, do what you need to do. And this now actually not only helps our defense, but is going to help our attack immensely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, you, obviously you're alluding to Reese James there, um, one of our most self-confident players on the ball. And, and Fafana is very similar. And what that allows you to do is just play with freedom. You know, uh, Sam alluded to it earlier. You know, we, we're playing with a lot of fear this season at the moment. And in, the, in those two players you have that confidence that will just exude throughout the team. Um, don't be surprised, for instance, that he you know, steps into midfield um, on the ball or potentially you know, in, in the counter takes up a cover position to help Jorginho. You know, there's, there's no coincidence whatsoever that Leicester fell off so badly when he was out. And that's a combination of factors, obviously. But when you see how Suenchu looked with him in the team and how Johnny Evans looked like a world beater with Fofana in the team, and then as soon as he's out, you realise how much work Fofana was getting through in terms of covering for one or both of those, uh, you know, at times. Um, from any part of the pitch, because this is the other thing with Fofana is his versatility, right? So he's played all across the back. Um, he starred in uh, central centre-back uh, last season when he was recovering um, with Leicester. Um, he's played left, right, uh, in the two, as in the back four uh, at St Etienne. And this is a player who's so kind of positionally versatile, but positionally confident as well. You get players who sometimes struggle when they're switched uh, mid-game from right to left, and they struggle with those angles and maybe, you know, leave themselves vulnerable. But with Fofana, he's so kind of switched on at that, that, and obviously when he's caught out, he has that recovery pace as well, which... um, some defenders we have do not. <laughs> so as we maybe wax very poetically about everything that is exciting us about Fafana's move to Chelsea and this seven-year deal, again, Todd Boldy saying, you know what? I like baseball contracts. We're going to do that here. Bring in the American pastime into the Premier League this season. When you think about areas of opportunity, you mentioned earlier, Sam, that there's another level you could see him going up to. 
what are the things that he's going to have to work on in making that transition to Chelsea in playing in Champions League football and the things that might be viewed today as a shortcoming or an opportunity area of his game that Tuchel and the coaching staff and Thiago Silva as a adjunct professor of the defensive academy of Cobham. Um, what are the things that they're going to point out that like, hey, you can be world class, you can be one of the best of all time if you do these things? I think passing, definitely. I think his progressive passing needs a little bit of work. And and I'm I'm being a little harsh on him because I tend to compare him to, you know, say somebody like a Jules Koundé, who's absolutely outstanding at it. Um, and also in the same age bracket, also competing for the same national team spot. So, you know, there's a nice little bit of layer there, competition. Uh, it's just, I think he's he's pretty comfortable on the ball, like Ollie said, very secure, has this lovely turn of pace so he can get away from pressure. But it's what he does on the ball that can sometimes be a little jarring. I think it's completely opposite of the kind of confidence he exudes when he goes into duels. I think he needs to use the ball wiser. Um, and even when he's doing his medium to long passes, I think he hits it more out of you know, frustration, a little bit of, I need to do this rather than purpose and, and pure intent. I think he needs to tweak that a little bit. Most of the times when he went long, you know, the ball would end up somewhere in front of Harvey Burns. It would end up at Vardy's head. So it would register as a completed pass. But what happens after the pass basically didn't, you know, register as something useful. So he needs to be a little more switched on to opportunities to do that. Um, Line-breaking passes, for example, you don't see as much from him. Again, at Chelsea, you've got Koulibaly, who before he got sent off, I think was top of the league with 114 line-breaking passes. So there will be, you know, outlets to get out of from centre-back. But in terms of developing it himself, especially when Thiago Silva is playing at that CCB position, which I think Oli and I both are in agreement that arguably that's the role that he should be taking up post-Silva because that's where I see a complete utilisation of his qualities. But when he's playing at wide centre-back, he's a good carrier of the ball but he needs to be able to use it better. He needs to be able to develop his passing better. Make sure he takes risks. You know, that's it's okay if you give the ball away. I think you've got the, the right caliber of centre-backs to, to make those errors okay again, to rectify them. Probably not the right kind of midfielders as of now, but maybe somewhere in the future. But in terms of developing his confidence, in terms of making sure that he can utilize that additional skill set, this is the number one thing that I see. I mean, probably the most major, the only major thing that that I think he can, if he if he manages to do this, if he manages to become a complete progressive giant like Sirkunde or a Guardiol, I think he's going to be top three, top four centre backs by the time he's twenty four. You know, as I think about that and what he'll be able to get within the wing backs or the partnerships he can create at Chelsea, when you think about. You know, Jorginho at the the base of a midfield, someone who who is kind of capable to develop a passing partnership with, getting a chance to work with Silver or Koulibaly on the back, working with either Ben or Kukurea on the left-hand side. It feels like the outlets he's going to have to build up his progressive passing game, you know, even maybe say he plays the center central back role and gets a chance to play with Chalaba when Silva gets a rest, Ali. There's going to be a lot of people and players that who who are skilled in that area who will help him grow that game <laughs> and additionally reese as well um who are going to say like look i'm going to rely upon you to be an outlet for me to play the ball back or to get it back to me quickly going forward i think we could potentially see over the next few weeks between now and the the world cup starting and then the second half of the season or the season part two that starts in the back half that he'll get an opportunity to really work on that game that part of his game pretty extensively definitely i'm yeah i'm not sure i'm looking to season part two revenge of the premier league but um we'll (laughs) see we'll see how that goes revenge of the pgmol (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah um, yeah, post World Cup's going to be a bit zombieish. I think uh, it's going to be a very silly one. But yeah, um, in terms of how he uh, dealt with partnerships in recent years uh, with Leicester, I think the biggest thing for them is how little time he did. He actually had to form partnerships with, especially the wing backs. You think how they've struggled to keep Castagno fit, how they've struggled to keep uh, Justin fit. You had Luke Thomas there, uh, 
left wing back as well, a really young kid. So these are all players who maybe he didn't think he could rely on as well. But when you think back to the best way Leicester play, it's very direct. It does use the wing backs. And it's not it's maybe not too dissimilar to the way we play our best in terms of uh, vertical football, right? Playing through the lines, line breaking passes very quickly. But with Leicester, it's usually go long to Savardi, especially when they're in trouble. So with us, it's going to be about adapting to that more possession-based game, especially while Georgie is uh, is playing DM and is our only fit DM currently. Um, but in terms of those wingbacks, it's going to be about learning to trust them because I think a lot of the times at Leicester, he wanted to do a little too much by himself. Um, and that's maybe, maybe one of the weaknesses um, that Sam alluded to as well. On the ball, he maybe wasn't as sure about offloading it to someone else because they may lose it. Um, so there was there was kind of that aspect as well. So I'm really looking forward to him linking up with Reese and uh, you know Ben and, and Cuckoo, but also that kind of interplay with whoever drops back in in the pivot. So maybe that'll be Ruben or you know insert DM signing here potentially as Zakaria if he comes in. And that kind of link up play that we um, need to see develop because what's been uh, kind of the worst sign at the beginning of the season is just the lack of partnerships, the lack of kind of trust in each other. And it's just been so kind of disparate. So I think his role at right centre-back or, or left centre-back or central centre-back, because again, he can play any of those roles, is building a partnership with someone. And I think it would likely be Reese. Uh, early on as we also look at other things too ollie about like the the partnerships and the fact that this is going to allow for i think for some level of experimentation too which again it's not great that we're potentially experimenting with 11s we're, we're playing it's it's live ammo folks like all the points matter all the fouls count and uh you get a red card and you get it set out so all the things that you don't want to have happen you know the downside for it uh, it almost feels like maybe there's going to potentially be some behind closed doors games that get organized over the international break for the newer players of this team who maybe aren't getting called up. And unfortunately, a lot of them are, sadly. But for the ones who remain, it feels like there's going to be a lot of opportunity to work together to build those partnerships. But as you think about the options that this provides, Tuchel, Sam, this also has seen people say, well, wait a minute, back four question mark? Because I think the fans are just obsessed with this idea that we'd really love to see a back four sometime soon. Um, maybe not after this last weekend, but you know, potentially a back four is something that they would like to see, maybe experimented with, try to get the best out of other players on the pitch. You know, where where do you see that as being a part of kind of his journey here at Chelsea? Um, well, from a tactical perspective, I think what Tuchel is trying in terms of a hybrid formation, which, which allows you to attack in a four and defend in a five, is, I think, pretty incredible. It allows you a little more defensive solidity, um, obviously at the cost of not being able to break as quickly because we tend to you know, defend in a 5-3-2, sometimes in a 5-2-3. Um, the latter would allow you to, to attack better with, with three forwards, but we tend to be a little safer in those central midfield areas because we've got Georgie. So, um, it depends in terms of whether we strengthen the right way in midfield and allows us to have, say, a little more adventurous space in terms of defending the two central midfielders um, when, when, when we're in the defensive phase. And, and then breaking with three attackers, I think, could be a nice way to go. Uh, but I think it's it's okay. You know, it's, it's not an insistence for me to to stick to a back four. As long as we're attacking in a back four, I think it's completely fine. It's just... Um, like I mentioned, his, his qualities allow you to to have a little more risk and have two centre-backs behind. It's something that we haven't been able to do with a lot of veterans in our side. You know, Thiago Silva with uh, Aspilicueta and Alonso obviously being also on the slower side. It tends to put a little bit of fear inside your head saying that, all right, if we lose and if the ball is switched out wide, how are we going to defend? And I think in the future, obviously, if when you have... Khalidou Koulibaly and when you have Fafana, these two centre-backs guarding the space and you allow the three in front of you to do what they have to do, I think it'll we will see a little bit of transformation of our fortunes up front. And uh, that's what I'm looking for. I think back four, 
Um, I'm, I'm not as obsessed with it as a lot of people are. As long as you're attacking in a back four and, and defending in a back five, I think it's it's nice flexibility to have. It's something that's worked really well for us in knockout competitions because we know exactly how to starve people off the ball, be very secure against like you know spells of pressure. So um, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be useful to have somebody like him. But I think he's equally comfortable in a back three, back four, wherever you put him. So not going to be an issue. You know, I'm happy as long as he's playing. I'm absolutely happy. No, no issues whatsoever. Well, that, that that is the thing too. And, you know, in terms of uh, hoping that uh, international duty does not put him uh, on the medical table or uh, in the physio room is going to be important because we know Deschamps definitely does not like to take care of any players and has zero care whatsoever. And, and some mocking aside, but um, you know, we we have been hurt and burned before watching Golo Conte go out already overworked to international training. And because he's just the nicest guy in the world, doesn't say anything about it, gets injured, comes back to us injured, we get him ready again, and then goes back out in international duty for France, healthy, because we got him there. You just don't want to see that happen. And so maybe, Ollie, I think the, the thing we have to also do is temper expectations. And even though we have paid a significant amount of money to bring him in, we definitely need to reinforce the defense, similar to maybe chill well you know in terms of getting up to speed getting minutes getting acclimatized you don't necessarily anticipate that every 90 Fafana is going to play immediately like this weekend I don't know if you get to see him play all 90 as much as you want to keep your defenders building it's fitness it's comfortability it's getting him bedded in the right way um and also making sure he's ready for a long campaign too definitely and uh we do know Deschamps um, you know, he's seen. He has seen the uh, the fee. I'm almost certain that if Wes plays, you know, even a fraction of his ability, he will get called up. Um, and you know, probably alongside Saliba and maybe Kunde might miss out. You heard it here first, folks. Um, but yeah, I think to be honest, he will not play 90 minutes this weekend. He has not uh, trained recently, apart from with the under-21s with Leicester. So there's some kind of getting up to the speed there. He did train with us this week and has continued to. So he will be in the squad. I have no doubt about that. Um, but uh, Trev is returning, so I would expect him to start. I would expect him to play against Zagreb, actually. that's That would be the clever play um, from Tuchel just to start him that way. But he will want to get started as soon as possible. You know, this this is a player who, again, is is very self-confident. He knows his fee. He's very happy, you know, to be that that player. And that's that's where he wants to be in the game. He wants to be right at the very top. He talks about, you know, wanting to have banners like uh, like Marcel Desai had here and Makaleli had here at Stamford Bridge. Um, and to be, you know, anything like those players, he's got to play in a World Cup. He's, he's probably got to win one. You know, this is like... That's the uh, lofty expectations he has. But in terms of tempering uh, our expectations, I would say, yeah, you know, he's going to need time to fit into the system. I mean, we know ourselves that Tuchel is essentially um, iterating on the fly at the moment in terms of the formation because we're having this kind of weird pre-season spell early season. Um, and that will dissipate and we will, uh, you know, find our final form, if you like, probably just before the World Cup, before we go away, unfortunately. But that's uh, what it is this season. But I think he's going to have an instant impact in how he releases uh, Reese James down that right-hand side and how he gives us that cover. You know, um, so often early season, we've seen when our players have dropped off that we've just not been able to recover. We can't be aggressive uh, in transition. And Wesley is completely opposite of that. He's very aggressive. He will, like a heat-seeking missile, go after whoever's on the ball. And he will likely you know, put his body on the line and get it, unlike some uh, midfielders who I will not name <laughs> on this podcast. Um, the reality is, you know, he's come in, uh, he knows he's good enough, we know he's good enough, and I'm just really excited to see him in, the, you know, the real Royal Blue. And uh, yeah, let's get started. Well, as we think about that and the iteration that Tuchel will be doing and how he fits into the the Jazz Club Eleven that we're trying to use right now with Todd Bowley Showtime Blues uh, on the King's Road that uh, it is still going to be something 
of an experimentation phase and a betting phase that we're going to need to give him patience and time as much as the price tag can sometimes be like, well, wait a minute, we sold this, spent all this much money and he's not ready to go the first game? He wasn't playing in his dreams? Um, the, the expectations, let's temper him, let's make sure that he's supported appropriately. And, and I think maybe if we wanted to set, like, what is a, what would a realistic success marker look like for for Wes in his first season and like what would be a high success barometer from your perspective Sam like if we're kind of just like charting out some goals for him this year if he had a really good season versus had a really great first season at Chelsea I think that like Oli said I think there has to be a little bit of a betting period in terms of getting to grips with a pretty different system you know even if it's a back three at Leicester um, for instance when I was looking at numbers last season uh, Rudiger pressed in the attacking third, 33 times over the past year. Um, Fofana has done it 16 times in the past six years. So he's not somebody who's very, you know, used to being in the attacking third, somebody who will offer you that aggressive kind of pressing. So if he's playing at white centre-back, it's going to be an adaptation period in terms of learning how to navigate out of a press, a more aggressive press than we're used to, making sure what he tends to do out of possession. Uh, Leicester, you know, at times struggled to control the ball. So he was happy to defend because he's he's really good at what he does. So, you know, no problems there. But in a side which keeps the third most possession out of all the sides in the Premier League, what are you going to do on the ball? Can you offer solutions? Can you offer a little more threat? I think that's the ceiling that I'm I'm looking to sort of get out of him because I already know what, what he's good at. You know, he's going to bring a lot of defensive solidity. So I think if he improves upon those aspects, if he beds in, if I see him attempting to play more from out the back, make sure that he has more solutions on the ball. Um, I think that would be a great indicator. I wouldn't go and quantitatively say that he needs to get me 10 clean sheets, 15 clean sheets, make sure that, you know, he's MOTM five times or whatever. I, I would just like to say qualitative improvement. I would li- like to see his passing improve. I would like to see him venture into the attacking third, try to create a lot more overloads on the right-hand side, take those risks. Because he's a demon, you know, he's extremely quick. What is the worst that can happen if you make a mistake? He'll sprint back and then he'll tackle. You don't want a six feet three centre-back running at you. You do not want that. Absolutely not. And I think he's got the confidence, the arrogance to say, you know, he's already displaying it. If I make a mistake, it does not matter. I mean, and that takes a lot of guts playing next to Soyuncu, you know, in current form. He absolutely does not give a crap. You know, it's... I think <laughs> I think it, it says a lot, you know, when he's emerged as one of the best players at Leicester, playing with the kind of defense with like, you know, Amati on one side, so Yunchi on the other, you know, fullbacks getting injured, Castagna was out, Pereira was out, one time All Brighton was playing there. Takes a lot of guts. And then he immediately comes out as the like, you know, like Ollie mentioned, he loves playing hero ball at the back. You know, he wants to be the guy. You know, when you look at the defense. You want to see him doing all sorts of things. And he loves that. He revels in that. So I think it's, it's spectacular. Um, an improvement, hopefully, on the ball. That's that's all I ask for. Oh, amongst the weeds in Leicester, a rare flower bloomed and uh, now has been replanted <laughs> in a different part of the country, a different part of England. When you think about it as well, Ollie, do you have a different set of success criteria? Are there different things that you're looking for to determine how successful his first season is? I mean, Sam's basically uh, (laughs) stolen my thunder on that a bit, but I would, you know, let's go quantitative. You know, he is very, he's very aggressive with his leap and something I think he can work on and and definitely add to his game is goals, right? You know, he always, almost always beats his marker in the air. Um, And that's something he should be, you know, approaching attacking set pieces with as well. I think he's got one goal, I can remember off the top of my head in in a long, long while, and that was in in Europe. So, you know, this this is something he can definitely add to his game. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see him score his first goal and whatever celebration he pulls out because he's probably <laughs> he's probably not thought about it or he has thought about it for a long, long time. <laughs> well, I, the question would be: Is can he get his first goal in fewer games than Andreas Christensen? Because uh, that's the <laughs> that's the initial benchmark that we need. Can like how quickly compared to your comp? Can you go get a goal before that? Because that would be ideal. Again, we, we like defenders that score. It's a really nice little added bonus to have, particularly when your attackers don't always view that as a part of their primary responsibility. So 
look, we uh, we're the defender FC. We're wingback FC. We like a we like a defender who does it both ways, and this is a space where uh, we we appreciate that. So, and I think the the other things, maybe some of the the anecdotal pieces or the non tangible things that we can't just point to a direct score. I, I do think it is how well his partnership is not just with with reese but whomever like i'm I'm sure there'll be points where ruben is playing in that right wing back role potentially maybe as he's playing there like can he quickly develop a relationship with all of his other compatriots um you know i think it's also like compared to some of the top teams that we still have left to play like we we haven't played uh, Liverpool yet we haven't played City yet how does he do one-on-one against some of the best attackers in the Premier League I think those are going to be individual moments to say like did he continue his run of being really strong one-on-one or did this not come out as it net out as a good game for him individually to me you know for for those who maybe know of, of American football the NFL like you know Wes is kind of like a, a center back, right? He's like a shut uh, or, uh, or shut down corner rather. So he is someone who would be going up against the best attacking option for uh, an uh, you know, NFL offense, and he's getting the one-on-one responsibility. He's going to be drawing the individual who is the best attacking threat. And so I imagine when Erling Holland comes around to town, <laughs> when uh, whether it's uh, Diaz or uh, Salah, he's going to draw the assignment. And it is going to be up to him to say, look, this it's not getting by me. And so how much can he, through his own skill and will, the osmosis of working next to Thiago Silva, pick up some great ability to uh, be players one-on-one, have some really standout performances, but then also like off-the-line clearances, uh, his kind of ability within the box. Those are things that I would be really interested to see. Does that improve uh, season over season? So I think we came up with a couple of things that we as a group would want to see. Uh, very interested to hear uh, what listeners think about that word. You know, in terms of who, where do they think his success lies this season? Um, obviously, he can help us win a trophy, but uh, one defender alone will not uh, change the course of the entire season. Um, but they can get pretty, pretty close. And so, as we round out, any final thoughts about? feelings, things we didn't touch on, things that you want to make sure that you have on record, Ali, about Fafana before we close out this episode? Uh, you know, is this the best centre-back window of all time? That's I, th- I think that's one of the questions we should ask ourselves. I mean, you know, just on paper, you buy Koulibaly and uh, Fafana and you come out of that looking really strong. You know, we, we went into this season having lost Andreas and Rudy for free for obvious reasons. We all know the reasons. And uh, replacing them arguably with maybe better players on the ball or or defensively, I'm not really sure, you know. So, um, yeah, it's just a very impressive feat to get these two. I think another success metric uh, for Wesley will be how he sits alongside a Tiago and a Kaladu or whoever those partnerships are, right? Because these are all great players individually. And now the window's closing or has closed hopefully soon. <laughs> we're, so, we're still waiting. Um, we need to see those partnerships grow. We need to see that consistency happen. And then that's a net positive for all of us. And Sam, your final thoughts as we kind of round out on this, any other things you want to make sure are on the formal record, the official record as it relates to Wes? I think this is, you know, definitely, it feels like the start of an era, I would say. I think the, there are very strong foundations being built at the back, you know, and, and there is a lot of intent in the kind of reinforcements we are making. I was just um, earlier talking about, you know, the transfers that might happen with people going a little up and down on Dennis Zakaria, which I think Dimasio just tweeted that it's done. Uh, it's just about trying to make sure that you buy quality and, and you spend the money on the right kind of players, players that you know are going to improve you, you know, for six, seven years, the length of the contract that you're offering them. And I think the kind of deals that we've made, adding the kind of experience, smart deals, not the shiniest toys, uh, you know, in the market, I think it suggests that there is a lot of wisdom going into the kind of acquisitions we're making. And uh, I'm very, very pleased with it. I think it's something that we need to swallow short term because there are going to be hiccups for certain. But let this team gel together. Make sure that, you know, like Oli said, just shake off the rust a little bit, the preseason kind of mood that we're in and, and shake that off. And hopefully by the time we reach the World Cup, I think we'll have gathered a little bit of momentum and 
with the kind of personnel that we're signing, I think it only gets better from here. You know, we're arguably seeing our mid-season slump happen at the start, which I'm fine with as long as we make it up, you know, towards the end of the season. So I think we will be there and thereabouts. I'm I'm an eternal optimist. And uh, yeah, good foundations, good squad building and lots to look forward to. Yeah, plenty of other clubs had the opportunity to have this thing that Chelsea doesn't believe in, stability for the period of time that you would want to plan your summer, plan your next season, plan the future. And Chelsea, amidst all of that, are seeing Todd Bowley and team making big statements about what they want to do for this club, not just at the men's first team, but at the academy level, the women's team. And look, is it all perfect? Are we happy with everything that's happened? No. Are there a lot of things we feel really good about, like building a defense for the future and trying to say, hey, Thiago Silva, this might be your last season, so let's make sure we bring in veteran defenders in Koulibaly, who's going to give us a period of time before maybe he sees a bit of a, a downturn or kind of regression in his abilities. Let's bring in young, talented defenders. Let's bring in excellent cover on the wingback so you have a competition amongst the players and raise the floor from where the base level is between those two players versus saying, oh, chill well to Alonso or chill well to Emerson, which is a bit of a... Uh, not necessarily a cliff, but boy, oh boy, it is a a slope down. Uh, It's a little more gentle. And you've seen the desire to try to, where they can, back Tuchel with players that he may be interested in. Again, not maybe everybody's favorite talent ID, but again, if you're trying to build something, you don't blow it all up first. You try to figure out what is working, what is there, what can you build upon. And it seems like from everything we've seen so far, the Todd Bullion team are trying to do that. And Fafana is just another piece in the puzzle to bring Chelsea back into the conversation when it comes to being a perennial favorite across all competitions. Uh, and look, it feels like the season, you know, the Premier League season is going to be really tough because Owen Holland, uh, surprise, scores goals and scores them a lot. But he also has only done it a couple of teams. So, you know, again, uh, it will be a tougher Premier League season uh, potentially to get back into it. But again, in Europe, in single elimination matches, in head-to-heads, in group stages, Chelsea can get something done. So again, we are super excited about Wesley Ufana. We thank Ali and Sam for joining us on this one to break it down and bring some of the energy. We've got tons more content coming out, though. We've got Brandon and myself. We're going to break down all of the deals and kind of give a grade to the total window. We've got the Tinkerman back. That's right. Yaz and Joe are actually recording on the other Zoom license as we speak. I got two episodes coming out for you next week. We've got Nick, who uh, spent time with Jesse and a couple other wonderful friends to talk about the women's season coming back. Because that's right, we're in September. The WSL is back as well. And we've got Chelsea match this weekend against West Ham. So you know what? It's going to be the Gallagher versus Rice Bowl. And uh, you just hope that uh, Gallagher comes out on top in the middle of the park. But again, that's going to wrap us up. That's going to do it. We thank you so much for listening and supporting the podcast on what was our busiest month ever, um, which is kind of really incredible to say uh, nine years into doing this, eight total seasons, uh, nine seasons, eight years. Um, So thank you so much. But until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.